Can you name a city that hosted a game at the 2002 World Cup? Should we say Tokyo? Out straight away. Whoa! Oh, one of the greatest answers of all time. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Off the ball. This is News Talk. All right, it is Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you this evening. Now, American WNBA star Brittany Griner is facing court in Russia tomorrow on drugs charges. She was arrested on February 17th before the invasion of Ukraine. She was passing through an airport in Moscow when the Russian authorities found vape cartridges in her luggage and they say contain traces of hashish oil. She has been detained ever since then. Trial starts tomorrow, could last for up to two months. Uh, The expectation is that she will be convicted and if so, the sentence could be up to 10 years. I'm joined by TJ Quinn, ESPN staff writer who's been covering this case. Good evening, TJ. Uh, good afternoon. <laughs> uh, good afternoon where you are. So I, I, I give right. a very rough outline uh, there. Could you give us the full background to this case then? Well, she, she like a lot of WNBA stars, um, had been playing for the offseason for Russian clubs that pay far better than the, uh, the their WNBA teams do. Uh, she was taken into custody as she came into the country, but no one in the U.S. was made aware, no one outside of Russia anyway. For about three weeks, they tried to keep it a little quiet to see if they couldn't resolve it um, somehow without turning it into a major international event. But in May, the U.S. State Department uh, officially declared her as being wrongfully detained. Um, Her detention, the pretrial detention period has been extended a number of times. So now she's finally going to court uh, tomorrow. The trial is going to start. Um, everyone that I've spoken to, Russian legal experts, uh, U.S. officials, people around her, they believe this to be a show trial. Uh, they expect that she will be convicted. She'll be sentenced possibly to the maximum of 10 years. But they don't take what's going on inside the courtroom all that seriously. Uh, to them, it's simply theater. Uh, it's a negotiation tactic because everyone believes this is going to be resolved by a trade that Russia will trade her for someone who's in U.S. custody. Um, They have named a man named Victor Boot, uh, who is right now uh, in prison in the U.S. for financing terrorism. Uh, There's also another American man over there, Paul Whelan, who's been there for three years. And and from what I understand, they're trying to get both of them home together. Uh, But after 134 days, this will be her first day actually hearing the full charges, whatever evidence is presented against her. Was Brittany Griner just the wrong American in the wrong place at the wrong time, or was she targeted? It's hard to say, and people around her have not said, the U.S. State Department hasn't said. They never said that exactly why they considered her wrongfully detained. There's a law in the U.S. that, that specifically governs you know, when that happens. Um, it's possible she actually tried to bring something in, who knows, Um She's a powerful cultural symbol. She's a six foot nine black lesbian in a country that has not been terribly tolerant of uh, members of the LGBTQ community. Um, the State Department was very concerned about how she'd be treated. Um, and they recognize that, that it's possible she was targeted. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what the evidence is, whether she did it or not, whether she, they can prove that she tried to bring hashish into the country or not. If a Russian court says she did, for all purposes, she did. And again, it's it, it negotiation more than it's really a legal proceeding. 
Brittany Griner wouldn't be a well-known name in this part of the world. You describe her there as a, a powerful cultural symbol. In terms of her fame within America, how big a story has this been? It really hasn't. And that's been one of the, the stories in this country is the nature of the coverage. If it was somebody similar in the, in the NBA or the NFL, maybe Major League Baseball, um, or a woman from uh, an individual sport who is higher profile, like Serena Williams or Simone Biles, it would probably get way more attention. It was incredible to people that somehow three weeks went by and one of the greatest basketball players in the world had been in detention and no one seemed to know about it. Um, but the WNBA does not have a huge market here. It has a niche market, um, it has very loyal fan base, but it's not huge. Um, and there are, there's been a whole discussion about inequities in the way we cover and talk about women's sports in this country. Um, so that, that's been a real sore spot for her supporters, is that why hasn't there been more attention? If this was LeBron James or the quarterback Tom Brady, it would be a very different situation. Has she been able to speak publicly at all? She has not, and she has not spoken to any members of her family. Uh, the only contact she's had is through her attorneys in Moscow, um, she does have her own private attorneys. From what I understand, you do not want a public defender when you're in, incarcerated in, in Russia. Um, they've delivered messages to her uh, from her friends, family, teammates. Um, they've been passing notes back and forth, letters, but knowing that they're all very heavily monitored. So they're limited in what they can say. Um, but all, all people have seen from her here is uh, a couple of quick shots of her from Russian media going in and out of court where we referred to as a perp walk. Um, and, and that's it. No one's heard her voice. You say there that whether or not she did in fact bring hashish oil in her luggage into Moscow is almost irrelevant because of the show trial nature. How did those first few weeks then pan out when initially, who did know that she was she was missing in those first three weeks? Well, her family knew her teammates mm. her representatives, um, you know, they were they were told right away. Um, but the advice that they got from the State Department, from some experts who are familiar with cases like this, they said, keep a very low profile for now, because if there is any chance, no matter how slim that they could ne negotiate a release or somehow get her released through legal channels, it would be better than raising her profile too quickly to where she would become uh, too valuable a chit for the Russian government. They've done this before where they, they have Americans and, and other foreigners in, in custody and they, they simply trade for them. Um, she is not technically considered a hostage, but for all purposes, it, it seems that she is. Um, it, it was clear through Russian media. Uh, there was a story from TASS, the official Russian news agency in May, that the government was interested in getting this man I mentioned, Victor Boot. Once that came out, it was clear this is what the Kremlin wants. It is no longer a legal proceeding. It's a negotiation. And that's how the U.S. has treated it. What is Victor Boot in prison for in America? Financing terrorism. So he is not one that the State Department has wanted to give up. Hmm. Um, I, I can't, I've, I've looked at the details. I don't want to uh, try to recall them and get them wrong now. But he's, they, the Russians have asked for him before. They have not gotten him. Um, besides Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, there was another American man, Trevor Reed, is a former U.S. Marine who had been in custody for more than two years. Uh, he was charged with assaulting a police officer. The, the case was uh, objectively fairly laughable, but they kept him for more than two years until the State Department cut a deal for him, trading another man 
Uh, Russia has wanted Victor Boot back for some time. So I don't know who exactly it is that uh, he's so important to, but that's who they want. Is there any precedence for Russia targeting athletes before? Not athletes. No, we haven't seen that before. Um, and, you know, is it possible that she was wrong place, wrong time, and then they realized, oh, this is actually somebody famous? I don't know. I mean, she stands out in any crowd she's ever been in. She's six foot nine. Um, she, I, I literally bumped into her once at ESPN headquarters, heard someone behind me in the line at Starbucks say, sorry, turned around and I'm looking right at her sternum. I mean, any room she is in, she is the center of attention. Um, she's not famous in Russia, but she has played there for years. It's quite possible that someone recognized her. Um, and if she'd been traveling, pre you know, as we know, she traveled there previously for years. If she was doing so under the protection of the oligarch who owned that team. So she probably had some level of comfort. But in the lead up to the war, again, this was before the, the invasion began. Um, things were awfully tense. This was exactly a week before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Right. So the obvious link is there. Is there any greater connection, do you think? Is, is this directly related to the Russian invasion of Ukraine? Uh, I've, I've heard people speculate. I, I haven't heard anything credible to suggest it. Um, you know, they've, they've really it's, it's been tough to get information about, you know, exactly what Russia has on her, what they've what her U.S. representatives have been told about her case. It's very hard to get information. Um, the U.S. consulate over there has had a hard time getting access to her. Uh, Brittany's family and representatives aren't that concerned because their own lawyers have eyes on her on her. And they say, you know, she's doing oh, she's doing fine in certain circumstances. Uh, but it's been very tough to get any information. And whatever comes out in court, it's going to be tough to trust that as well. Russia has a history of manufacturing evidence or, or you know, sort of sprucing it up, uh, whatever term you want to use. Um, and, and that's why the, the people I've spoken to aren't too concerned with, you know, doesn't matter what they bring. The judge will accept it. Mm. He will almost certainly convict. And then it's just, you know, another step in the negotiation. And on that history, how common is false imprisonment by Russia as a negotiation tactic? It's well known for people inside the country, you know, domestically and internationally. Um, I mean, that's how Putin has dealt with political rivals. Um, it's, you know, Alexei Navalny has, has obviously been in prison for quite some time right now. There was a dissident who... Uh, uh, we had spent some time with at ESPN four years ago named Leonid Martinyuk. Um, he was a protege of Boris Nemtsov's, the, the, you know, Putin's probably top political rival who was assassinated in Moscow. When he was traveling on a train one time, he was pulled off by FSB agents. And he and his wife told us that when she called his lawyer, the lawyer was screaming, don't let his bags out of your sight. Because they knew that the standard play, whether you're a political rival or just somebody that they want to they want to convict, they'll plant drugs. They're, it's it's well established. I mean, the, the experts I spoke to in the U.S., including a former U.S. resident legal advisor to the U.S. embassy in Moscow, uh, they say that Russia really doesn't even pretend anymore. They go through the pretense of these legal proceedings, but everybody knows um, what, what's going on with the criminal system. It seems incredibly strange, TJ, that this isn't the lead story on national news every night. A, you know, a superstar of the women's game, albeit not one of the biggest sports in America right now. But still, that American is being held like this on Russian soil. What's your sense of the reasoning behind that? 
Well, we've got a lot going on over here. Mm. Uh, I think that's part of it. It's it's tough to keep anything in the news cycle. I mean, you know, look at this right now. What's what's going on with the investigation into uh, into the January sixth riots at the Capitol? Um, you know, the American news cycle, like many around the world, moves very quickly. And with Brittany Griner, you know, just just start with that as a general media climate. Beyond that, you've got an athlete who is is somewhat of a polarizing figure. Um, her her sexuality, her activism. Um, she was one of the athletes who was critical of having the national anthem played played before games. Um, we are a deeply politically polarized country right now, and she is not someone who was a household name to begin with. Um, so start with the fact that you had a small audience for women's professional basketball, relatively smaller, and then you've got a figure within it who you know can be polarizing in a polarized country. Um, and then the fact that there's just very little news. Mm. Um, once once the news got out that she was in there, there's the occasional blip uh, in the news cycle. Like when we found out in May that she'd been reclassified as wrongfully detained, there was a little burst of, of news coverage then. Um, judging by the number of calls I've gotten in the last 12 hours, there's going to be another burst now for the beginning of the trial. But then if there's if there's nothing new, you expect it just kind of settle quietly. It just has not commanded attention for very long. The negotiation process then uh, between the USA and Russia, has that been changed by the invasion of Ukraine? They didn't know what to expect from it. And when all of a sudden in May, there was news that Trevor Reed, the former Marine, was coming home. It was a huge sigh of relief for um, for Britain Griner supporters and for Paul Whelan's family, it meant that there was a channel open. They weren't sure. And part of the problem when you're negotiating with, with Russia in a case like this, you don't always know right away who you're negotiating with. Is it somebody in the ministry? Is it somebody in the Kremlin? How high is it? You know, is, does Putin have a personal interest in it? Is there a particular oligarch? Um, the negotiations have been led for the most part by Bill Richardson, the former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, uh, very well known in this country. He was a cabinet member. Um, he was a congressman. He was a governor. Um, he has worked for years as a private citizen negotiating to get Americans home. Um, once he took on the case in May, that was a great sign as well. So he's able to do things privately as an individual that the government might be restricted from doing, speaking to certain people who are banned by the State Department, speaking to third parties. So he was deeply involved in Trevor Reed's release. The news that he was involved here was a good sign for Brittany Griner. They'll coordinate with the State Department, but he is acting more or less independently. At the end, it's going to be up to the White House to sign off on any deal. Uh, but from what I understand, Bill Richardson and, and his team have been you know, deeply involved from the beginning, or at least you know, ever since they engaged, they've been very active. And is the hope that the two Americans will come home together? Well, it's, it's, I mean, I'm sure their families certainly hope that, but there's also a political reality to it. Um, again, with, you know, with the political climate in this country, Brittany Griner, young, black, lesbian, Paul Whelan, uh, older white male, um, if you get one and not the other, then there's going to be serious political repercussions for the Biden administration. Um, and Paul Whelan's family, you know, they, they've been very quiet, but you'd have to think when he's been there more than three years, they would be pretty upset if she got to come home first. He's there on espionage charges. The U.S. also declares him as being wrongfully held. Um, he went through a trial. He was convicted. Uh, you know, so, so it, it's just more a political reality that you would have to get both of them. 
you talk about her there as a, a very polarizing figure in some ways. Like, just again, a reminder as to how big a star she is. Like, two-time Olympic gold medalist, seven-time All-Star. Like, we are talking about one of, if not the biggest figure in the women's game. She's one of the best ever. Um, I mean, I, I every I'm, I'm not an expert on women's basketball, but you know, she's any list you see, she's considered at least among the top 20, 25 ever. Um, but she stood out more for her physicality. The fact that she's so tall, she can dunk, um, which not a lot of women are able to do. Um, you know, the, ever since she was uh, a star in college, Baylor University, she commanded national attention. She's on the court. Your eyes are on her. She absolutely dominates defensively. Um, you know, very physical player, very skilled player. Um, but she really stands out because of how she looks. And when she when she finally came out and said that she was a lesbian, uh, it was a big deal um, to the LGBTQ community in the, in this country. Her father did not react well. Um, she's she's from Texas, one of the more conservative areas of the country, um, you know. But she and she was not somebody who seemed comfortable in a public role. But she recognized the power that she held as a symbol, uh, and and really started to embrace that in previous years. And you've got with a WNBA, a league that there's a really strong vein of activism throughout. And the people who support the league tend to be. They're not just fans of basketball. They're promoters. Um, they they want to see women's sports supported and and, and expanded. Um, so it's not it's not comparable to say an NBA fan base in that sense, where you just you know I go watch the Knicks because I'm a Knicks fan. If you're a women's sports fan, often it's because you believe in women's sports. So because of her role as an athlete, because of, of simply her personality, who she is, um, she has a, a really strong following. But that also makes her a target for just as many people. What has the reaction been from the WNBA and has there been a reaction from the NBA? It was slow to start because they were taking their directions from Brittany Griner supporters who were um, or, you know, her agents, basically, and they were taking theirs from the State Department. And that was keep your head down. Um, we don't want too much attention just yet. Once she was reclassified as wrongfully detained, then the restraints were off. Um, you saw the league uh, when the commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, opened um, the ceremony for the draft a couple months ago. First thing she did was talk about Brittany Griner. They put decals on all the WNBA courts. You didn't see the men engage until uh, really about a month ago. Um, during the play, during the NBA playoffs, we just finished uh, the NBA finals uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, you start to see some big name players speak up. Carmelo Anthony is probably going to be a Hall of Famer. LeBron James, the best player in the game. Um, you know, they started to speak up. You saw players wearing T-shirts. Britney's supporters were hoping for more from the men, um, but they were also in the middle of their season and, and busy with that. Um, it's been a tough balance for them because you want to create their, their goal is to put pressure on the white house, no social media uh, you know, campaign, no hashtag, no t-shirt that LeBron James wears is going to affect what Vladimir Putin does. But what they hope is that it puts enough pressure on Joe Biden that he'll cut a deal to bring her home. They also recognize that this might be a long time. You, know, you talk about the difference between a, something being a sprint and a marathon. Well, in this case, you have to think of it as an ultra marathon. You don't know if it maybe she comes home tomorrow through some miracle. 
but as we've seen from these other Americans held abroad, it can take years. And if that's the case, you don't want to spend all your energy uh, socially and politically right away. You've got to be able to sustain that campaign. So who knows when this will end, but how will the next few days play out with the court case starting tomorrow? From what I hear, it is stunningly dull. Um, it is, as, as one Russian legal expert said to me, there is no Perry Mason moment. There are no courtroom histrionics. Uh, it's not what people in, in Ireland or the U.S. or, or, or the U.K. Have, you know, understand about the, the, the judicial system. It's really driven by it's an inquisitory system led by the judge. For the most part, what he's going to do is just read the prosecution's case into the record. So they'll just sit in court. She'll be in a literal cage as defendants are over there, listening to him just read reports. At some point, the prosecution can call witnesses. The judge tends to be the questioning. The defense can object, but they rarely do, and they even more rarely succeed when they try. Um, the, some of the advice I've gotten is that, or I've been told that she should heed, is that uh, her best strategy might be to simply plead guilty. Now, they'll still go through the process and read everything into the record. Uh, but if she pleads guilty, the, the people I've spoken to said that it may make life a little easier for her, that Russia might not be quite so harsh in her conditions, um, but that if she's going to come home, and again, that's the only resolution anybody I've spoken to sees, if, she's, if they're going to trade for her to bring her back at some point, she'll almost certainly be required to admit guilt, whether she's guilty or not. So there is some thought as to whether or not, why not just do it in court? Uh, get it out of the way you're going to have to eventually. Um, but they don't move steadily the way we're accustomed. Um, the judge can break for days. Sometimes I'm told uh, they'll in court, they're expecting a witness, the witness doesn't show, and they adjourn for two weeks. So it could drag on for weeks and months. And where's she being held at the moment? And uh, on the presumption she is found guilty, where is she likely to be held then? Uh, not sure. It's tough to get a straight answer on that. She'll, she's in a jail in the area now. Um, they have not said which one it is. Not that I know much about Russian jails. Um, but if she is sentenced, she'll be, she'll be sent to a federal prison. Um, from what we understand, conditions are not great. Um, I imagine they aren't anywhere, but, um, she would be held in a prison. Um, and she is really at the mercy of Vladimir's government until they decide that there's a deal they're, they're willing to execute. Uh, TJ, thanks a lot for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, TJ Quinn there, ESPN staff writer on the story of the WNBA star Brittany Griner. Uh, that court case starts tomorrow and I'm sure we'll be talking to TJ again about that.